2: Asbury Methodist Village and Montgomery County take senior living to the next level, creating extraordinary opportunities for a fulfilling future. Work your brain and body in our new wellness center. Stroll our expansive campus and 17-acre nature preserve. Stay sharp with our resident-run college and find so many new ways to get involved and make a difference for others. Anticipate more from your retirement. Visit asburymethodistvillage.org today. Your future's here. Equal opportunity housing provider.
0: All right, fantasy baseball fanatics around the world, welcome to the Tool Shed. This is episode 96 of the Fantrax Tool Shed with Craig and Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. We have another fun episode in store today with two great guests. But first,
3: let's bring in my 80-grade co-host, Mr. Chris Clay. Chris, what's going on, man? Oh, not too much. Excited for more baseball talk. Obviously, baseball is, you know, they have their issues, but we're talking minor leaguers today. And minor league baseball is not going to be affected by this lockout. So at least we can have an enjoyable discussion about this. And minor league baseball is on the horizon. College baseball started. So you can get your baseball fix if you want. And we're here today to get that baseball fix because we have two great guests who have been at the fields pretty much every day since minor league camp started us. They're going to bring you some great insight into two teams that have a lot of intriguing prospects.
0: Yes, we will have if you're a American League East fan, especially of the Baltimore Orioles and New York Yankees, that will be the focus of today's show as we have Eric Garfield, uh, that covers a lot of Baltimore Orioles prospects, and then John Brophy who covers Yankees prospects all, you know, in the lower levels here. So, two great guests that as Chris mentioned, they've been to the field constantly over the last few weeks during minor league camp, gotten a lot of good video of a lot of intriguing players so we will be talk a lot of those names you know some names that we will be talking about in this show today we got from baltimore to some good heston Kierstad talks some kobe mayo uh, colton Cowser, some connor norby a lot of intriguing names there and for the yankees some anthony volpe some jason dominguez some trey sweeney uh, and plus a lot of other names as well a lot of good talk here in this episode upcoming that we just finished both interviews with with Eric and John and thank you to both of them for coming on uh, that was a lot of fun and said so this is a two very intriguing systems in my personal top 100 uh, Yankees have six guys uh Volpe at six overall spoiler alert uh Oswald Peraza Jason Dominguez Austin Wells everson Pereira and Trey Sweeney and then Baltimore I got Adley Rushman, Grayson Rodriguez, Colton Cowser, Kobe Mayo, and Gunnar Henderson. So 11 total there. Uh, Chris, how many do you have in your top 100 here for mm. these two systems? Yeah, well, yeah, let's filter
3: it out. Probably roughly the same. Yeah, um, let's see. I have Opie, Peraza, Dominguez, Wells, Pereira, Sweeney, so six Yankees, and I have... Orioles. Adley, Grayson, Mayo, Hall, Henderson, Kowser 6. to so 12 between both teams. Nice.
0: Yeah. A lot of uh, a lot of fun prospects in the system. And we will get to those those interviews here in a second. But first, let's get through the usual housekeeping here. You can find us on Twitter. Chris is at Roto Clegg. I am Eric Cross04. And our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate and review check out our patreon which is patreoncom Toolshed, for extra content from both of us and of course check out all the other great written and audio work we have on the fantrax hq network including our 2022 draft kit which is in full swing there a lot of you know rankings and breakouts and uh, sleepers and busts and prospect and dynasty work and strategy mock drafts a lot of good stuff in there so go check that out but let's get right into this week's episode As mentioned, we have two guests on today, but not at the same time. Our second guest, John Brophy, will be on after the break to discuss some New York Yankees prospects. But now we bring on our first guest. He covers the Florida Complex League and Baltimore Orioles prospects for four prospects, 1500 Overtime Heroics and Utah Street Report. He is also the co-host of the Florida Prospects podcast and works in scouting and player development for Fusion Sports Agency. Eric Garfield joins us to start today's show. Eric, first off, great name. Second off, thanks for coming on. How are you doing down there in that great Florida weather?
1: Same to you. Uh, happy Sunday, guys, and uh, I'm doing great. Ready to inform people about the uh, the Orioles and all the camp action I've been seeing over the last couple of weeks.
0: Yeah, it's been you, you've put out a lot of good stuff uh, on your Twitter. Looking at all the Baltimore Orioles prospects at camp, if anyone wants to go check out a lot of this video, like you said, video on. Everybody, Heston Kyrstead, Kobe Mayo, anybody you could prob- probably want to see uh, in regards to the Baltimore Orioles, you can follow Eric on Twitter at Eric underscore Birdland. It's a, it's a lot of great video on there. Um, so definitely go check that out. Let's get right into it, though. So, talking in Baltimore, Orioles prospects here. Uh, let's start with, as the player that you said so far is the story of camp. That's Heston Kyrstead. Obviously, was a high draft pick back in 2020, and has yet to debut due to a heart issue that he had. Uh, what have you seen so far from Heston Kierstad in camp?
1: Well, a lot. Uh, I watch all the drills, offensively and defensively, and it's really like he's the story of, of camp, but he's really the story of like the whole offseason because there's a mini camp now, and there were two uh, previous hitting camps, and he was at both of them trying to make up for the time that he, he missed with injury last year. The times that I've seen him, uh, his swing looks outstanding. His movement, tracking ability in the outfield, his arm, his pivoting in the routes to the ball, everything, he just looks like a major league player at a minor league camp. So uh, a lot of fans are kind of like, I'm really happy that he's back and it's good that he's reached full health. And I don't wanna look past that, that's certainly important. But you mentioned he was the number two overall pick. The yeah. Orioles are rebuilding, and they kind of need him. So for what I'm seeing is this is a superstar in the making, and it's not going to take him long to make up for that that time that he missed last year. Great, great swing. Easy power.
0: Yeah, and that power was very apparent. You know, he played three seasons at the University of Arkansas in the Southeast Conference. Hit 37 home runs in 150 games with a 343, 421, 590 slash on him. Really, like he had two pretty good seasons, uh, his first two years, 2018 and 2019, and then really started breaking out right. in that shortened 2020 season, had six home runs and five doubles in just sixteen games before the season got shut down there. So yeah, it's definitely great to see Kierstead back. Like you mentioned, like it's just good to see him back after the, this kind of the scary you know, health issues that he's been dealing with. See him get back on the field is absolutely phenomenal. And that power, like that power is his leading tool, obviously. But I think, now we'll get your take on this. I think, you know, a lot of the reports when he got drafted, like obviously power, everyone's like, all right, that's at least plus, double plus, something like that. But people were wondering where where the context goes to be, how much how much average will he hit for, how much will he get on base? What are your thoughts surrounding uh, the hit tool and approach for, for Heston Kirsten?
1: I'm going to say those reports are prob- probably very accurate. I've only seen them in drill settings, so when the ball starts moving a little bit more from pitchers' hands, that'll be the determinant. But, again, the power is so, so evident and so easy. And also, opposite field is just as easy as pull. So I guess the- I remember those questions, and they were like, is he more of a- like a-, a DH type of – just a slugger or is he a moving athlete type of outfielder and i think it's definitely uh the latter and uh i guess for like how camden yards is still shaped at least the right field uh outfield he looked you know he projects like a three four or five hitter outstanding pick
0: yeah people kind of were hating on it at first because he's Kind of like a mid first round pick, and a lot of those mock drafts you saw, people thought it was a little underslot, but could, could definitely work out for Baltimore for sure. And they're one of the best organizations around right now in terms of player development with all the, the new team they have in place. A lot of them coming from the Houston Astros organization. So yeah, I definitely like Kirstad. Love his power in that park, uh, Chris. What, what are your thoughts here on
3: Justin Kirst- Kirstad? Yeah, and I think I was a little lower on him coming out of the draft, but he's really blossomed. There's some good data out there on him, and Obviously, it was very concerning about what happened to him last year with myocarditis and the heart issues, but kept him out the whole season, which was major. So he's going to be a big storyline this year, and I think, especially looking at like a dynasty league format, I think you know he's probably Oof. lost a ton of value. He may be available on your waiver wire. You may go and trade for him cheap, and I, I think that's probably the right call. I think he could easily jump back in, be like a top one hundred prospect pretty quickly. Oh,
1: that's going to on the field. He's
3: that yeah. good. Yeah. So the reports are definitely promising. Eric's telling you what you need to hear. I'd go out and get them right now.
0: Yep. Absolutely. Totally agree with that. Especially when, you know, it gets back into game action this year, because regardless of what happens with this major league lockout, even if we don't have a season, which I think we will, but uh, we're still going to have a minor league season. That'll start on time. So you you see here, getting the games and start hitting some tanks. Yeah. That value people love the long ball. It's, it's uh, it's a saying for a reason. So if he, he has like, you know, seven home runs first month of the season. You'll see that value definitely start to skyrocket back up to where it was after he was drafted back in 2020. That's for sure. Uh, Eric, you know, outside of Cure Set, who are some other, just some early standouts so far that you've seen at camp?
1: Well, uh, the best pa- pure power c- and combined with hit and the exit velocities. You know, I'm not timing. I'm just kind of filming. And, you know, it's so many of these I try, I try to put up on Twitter – is definitely someone else from that 2020 draft, someone that's linked to Kerstead and going to be forever. The the underslot of Kirstead gave the Orioles a little bit more of a surplus of savings, and they spent it on, in the fourth round, on Kobe Mayo. So I really have watched, like, every single step of his development closely. He started in the rookie leagues last year, blew up and went to Delmarva, tested the, the physical distances in, in, in that stadium. And right now, I mean when he has a good bp round the contact is so clean and the athleticism through the swing zone is so so strong and powerful he just pulls everything like 108 110 so for you know for for prospect people and for dynasty people i see him as just as a, a pa- same power profile as Kerr said, but maybe a little bit more contact ability just just really really a great great pull hitter so i see so many doubles into into left field for kobe mayo
0: yeah and and obviously with the left field fence moving back you know people have been kind of wondering how will that affect a lot of the right-handed hitters in baltimore and throughout the organization but mayo seems like one where obviously yes it's not great it can't help them to have the fences move back 30 whatever feet but he seems like the type of power hitter that it shouldn't affect him too much. It's not like he's having a lot of, you know, home runs that are just hitting, getting over to fancy. Like this guy, as I like to call it, he's got big boy power. So you, you exactly think, right. you, yeah, as a you think, you know, obviously he's still a couple of years away, but do you think this is a potential 30 homer bat annually in the major leagues?
1: Uh, I would say that's closer to floor than ceiling. He really drives the ball high. And far into the air, like his line drives that aren't home runs just bounce off the wall. And and as as great as Kobe is, and as perfect of a third baseman as he is, we're talking about Kirstead and him. And it also sounds like we're describing the guy they drafted uh, in the first round last year, Colton Cowser. He's like the same offensive profile. He just has so many long, 370 foot long drives that bang off the wall, and he can move in center field. So, you know, the Orioles little nucleus that has gotten them to one of the top systems and is gonna have to keep them that high after graduations, you know, it's it's really right in front of me, right in front of my phone. So there's just so, so many stars and so many names with real like skill sets, full skill sets on display.
0: Yeah, we'll definitely get into some colton cowser here in a little bit because <laughs> i'm a i'm a huge colton Cowser guy everyone that listens to this podcast knows that uh but continuing with Kobe Mayo here for a second uh 2021 he played at three to, or two different levels in the complex league and in low a with delmarva combined to slash 319 426 555 14 doubles and nine home runs in 216 play appearances and i tweeted this out yesterday. Um, I was looking at some stats in in low A, and for prospects that had at least 25 games at the level with a 75 plus percent contact rate and the an ISO above 200, there was I think it was 11 or 12 guys. Some other names were like URB Vivas, Curtis Mead, Junkensy Noel, Anthony Volpe, uh, Volpe, and Kobe Mayo was definitely on that list. So it kind of backs up what you were just saying, Eric, about how you know it's not just the power. Like this is a very good pure hitter as well that could definitely hit for a pretty solid average to
3: go along with that 30 to 40 home run potential uh chris what are your thoughts here yeah he's one that's really flown up boards and the contact skills are good the contact numbers look great last year the batting average obviously came with that has good plate discipline walks at a high rate and the power is i think gonna be the big calling card just a reminder he just turned 20 years old so there's still room to grow and he's already a big boy he's listed at six five 215. I know, you know, he could obviously have added a little bit since then, but there's a ton of power here. I think that's probably his calling card and I think there's a good hit tool to go with it as well. So, yeah, I'm a fan. He's moving up and he's still maybe a little underrated in dynasty leagues even though a lot of big publications are really on to him, but yeah, I'm, a I'm a a small of am a fan of ones, too, like me. <laughs> <laughs> yes i i think like i said i think people are
0: not fully catching on to affect ha- how good of a hitter he is like, they will. i think, i think yeah they will 2022 that's thing. like i could i could easily see mayo as you know we're talking if we talk together in like july or august like him being like a universal top 25 type of guy like, overall like i think he's at that type of potential just from the hit and power uh standpoint. That future home ballpark will definitely help him as well. Even with defensive moving back, don't think this gonna hinder him too much at all. Uh, but let's get into some Colton Cowser. Like I said, I love Colton Cowser. I think he was one of the best pure hitters in general uh, from this last year's draft class. Maybe he doesn't. You know, I, I think maybe the general thought process with Colton Cowser is that maybe the power power isn't quite as big as Mayo's. But you're saying that there's more power than I think people have given him credit for. So, what have been your early thoughts on Colton Cowser?
1: Uh, I, I film all the drills, so I, I, I have him doing uh, defensive work, pivot drills, running into the wall, turning and throwing. So I can tell that he's gained some some weight since he was drafted. I'm going to say he was drafted like below or close to 200, and now he's in the 220 range. So it's kind of a lot of pounds to gain in not the longest uh, amount of time, but he moves the same way as he did in college. He accelerates to the ball probably better than someone with his size body looks. So more of an athlete, which tells me that he should have no problem with uh, accelerating through the minors very fast. And as he gains weight in his arms and his shoulders, some of those doubles and the bat path are going to be lofted a little bit more. So if he's not a projected 30 home run bat, but he's a high on a very high on base guy with great at bats. That's hit that hits I don't know 22, 25 Camden yards homers. That's that's absolutely fine. Orioles fans had uh, Nick Markakis, you know, a, a good on base, not a three hundred hitter, but a high average hitter with a, with a good outfield package and a good arm. I think Cowser uh, could be that, but just a little cleaner, like I don't like a scout scout friendlier profile. I love watching him up close. He's really made a lot of progress. He he seems like a, a leader, also very vocal playing baseball. I really like that.
3: Yeah, awesome. I'm I'm Look, looking ahead, at a man. I'm looking at a video that you have where he gets pretty close to you out in the outfield doing a drill, and he definitely looks like he's put on some pounds. Big, and, yep. He he's much bigger than he looked in college, which right. Yeah, you know, listed at six three two I bet he's a little bigger than that, which is helpful for the power. I mean, the hit tool we know, like that was the calling card coming out started developing some power in the last year before being drafted. And obviously has a little speed as well. So it's going to be fun to watch him develop. I'm I think that people are still underrating Cowser as well. So he's another great yep. buy for dynasty. I, I've been beating that drum
0: for the last six months now. I love Colton Kowser. So Eric, you're saying, you know, he still moves very, very well and accelerates well. So obviously a lot of our listeners will be wondering about his speed, you know, more so on the basis for stolen bases for fantasy, obviously. So you think he can still be a pretty solid stolen base, Threat as well because he still has that speed that he showed last year in college, even even with the added weight.
1: I think he absolutely could. You know the the short burst acceleration that I see, he could do nine, you know, ninety feet and get safe as many, not as many times as he wants, but a, a successful percentage. The problem with that, and especially for like the purposes of like fantasy and counting stats, stealing is not a part of the Orioles' strategy at all, and really never has been. Even, you know, for guys that have elite speed, they want people to hit them into scoring position more than they want to risk that, that out. I, I don't know if that's going to change as these, like, rebuild prospects go up the chain, but he could, he could steal 20. He could steal 20. But I, I would be surprised if, as an Orioles everyday player, he stole more than 12. But he certainly could.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. That, that's definitely a good point. You know, team philosophy does play in a lot. As we've said many times, it's not just purely about speed or stuff like that. So um, I, I hope he does get the 20. Uh, I think that definitely be, uh, I think he definitely could be a 2020 guy, but maybe he a little more. It's like you said, you know, lower end, like the lower end of the double digits, 10 to 15 while being 20 plus home runs, high average, high OBP. Like he looks like a tailor made, you know, top of the order type of guy with those on base skills, He had a career 460 OBP in college in three seasons at Sam Houston State. And last year, it was only 149 play appearances in the low minors, but a 490 OBP. It was 476 in 25 games at Delmarva in low A. So, yeah, definitely has that OBP. He had more walks than strikeouts, both in college and in the minors last year, 25 walks to 23 strikeouts in those 32 games. So, yeah, definitely love Colton I I have him already – right around my top 50 overall. I think that definitely could go up uh, this year for sure. While we're on that subject of players that have kind of gained weight, uh, you know, everyone always likes to to hear that. Oh, who's put on muscle? Are there any other players at camp that you've seen that look like they've bulked up since last year?
1: Uh, I do see a couple. And again, this is my camera, so I'm seeing it uh, up close. I know know that I'm right. Uh, (laughs) Outfield prospect, uh, Shane Fontana who's been kind of like balancing between is he an offensive player, is he a defensive player? Definitely came back with uh, more muscle. Uh, Infield prospect, uh, second and short guy, uh, Daryl Hernize, who also is a a great uh, speed and power package. He's been hitting balls over the fence and over the pond, which is kind of like in the 500-foot range, and he's not a, a, not a, a, a big person, so that means his body is kind of not, you know, developing where it, uh, where it needs to be. Uh, another infield guy, uh, Joey Ortiz, came back uh, from injury. Very thick, very in shape, very smooth with the glove, but his contact is is really going far. And uh, top prospect Adley Rutschman, I haven't seen a ton of him, but in his shirt and his shorts, he's cut up a lot, and his batting pa- practice contact. You know, it used to end a little ahead of the warning track, but now it's at or over the wall. His swing is, man, I really hope that there's baseball because his swing is in midseason form right now. I really haven't gotten a chance to see it before this camp, but man, he's he's just a very, very powerful, powerful hitter.
0: Glad to, Glad to hear that. Uh, one, one more. I want to sneak another name here before we get to the last couple of segments here. So I saw you posted some video on this guy. So I want to get your thoughts on uh, Connor Norby and you know, one, one of the top draft picks for Baltimore this past year. What have been your thoughts on him so far?
1: Well, uh, for all the guys we're talking about, like their power potential for him and the way that he handles at bats. This is a guy that I, and, and the way that he can turn bad pitches into successful outcomes like singles and doubles I see really the the foundations of a a 300 hitter. And to to be honest, there's not not a lot of them anymore. But this is a guy with great, great contact ability. I, I wrote an article about how he swings the bat kind of like a hockey player. And hockey is, I think, his favorite sport. He just, he's not big, but he drives the ball into the gaps so easily and with such great risk control. Him, I have seen, I want to say, 10, 10 BP sessions and just great contact, great BP, uh, great average player. I, I, great draft pick also. Like, you know, yeah. he, he, this is not a guy that's going to strike out often no matter what level of baseball he plays from now until he's 50 years old. So I, I, I want this type of hitter to be involved in, in, the, in the competition for spots. Love Connor Norby. 300, he's going to be a 300 hitter.
0: Yeah, I, I I definitely agree with that. He, he was a three ninety two hitter in college, 105 games for East, East Carolina. Uh, only hit two sixty five last year, but it was just 33 games between complex level and low-A Delmarva, but yeah, definitely one of the better pure hitters in this system and in the minor leagues in general too. Uh, Chris, real quick, what, what are your thoughts on Connor Norby?
3: Yeah, he's another one. I think just the hit's so good, and th- so good. those are the type of players you trust, and then you hope that the rest of the skills develop – even if there's, you know, fringe average power, you know, when you hit the ball as consistent as he does and make the kind of contact that he does, it's all gonna work out. And I just think that's the type of hitter he is. He's gonna be very high OBP type player. So with the with good average, really like those skill set. And maybe he's gonna chip in a few steals. I think the power is still developing. So he may be one of those maybe he's like a more of like a Nick Markakis type, but you know, obviously it's, not in the outfield. So I don't know, that's it's intriguing to think about. It seems like
1: where the Orioles are going and like their tutelage right now, it's very heavy on positive swing decisions and eliminating the bad ones, not swinging at bad pitches and really maximizing those ones in the zone. I don't think for Conor Norby they're going to have to get extensive with those lessons. It kind of seems like like almost like Wade Boggs-ish. If it's not good, he's not even thinking about it. But if it is good, he's attacking it and doing something with it.
0: So, so you're saying they learned their lesson from having Chris Davis all those years? <laughs> uh, <it's>,
1: yeah, right, <laughs> right. That's good. Right, right. Well, the people that are here now learn from Chris Davis and why he and those other people aren't around. Right. That's yeah. A very, very good point. Very good point.
0: <laughs> don't, don't do what Chris Davis did. Is basically the lesson yeah, right. they're teaching their prospects. <laughs> do much better than Chris Davis. You know. Um, let's end out this segment here. Talk a few more names. Uh, who are a couple of potential breakouts that you've seen in the system that people might not be aware of yet?
1: For pitching, I really like uh, Zach Peak, another guy that I've seen his uh, his development from the very beginning. I was there the first day that he came to Orioles camp uh, from the Angels. Uh, I love his stuff. I love the – he's not a velocity-needing pitcher, but it snapped up a little bit from like 92s. 94 is a 95. I just like how his ball moves in the air and his arm doesn't give it away and he makes pitchers especially same or hitters same-handed hitters look really foolish if they guess wrong. I think that's a skill that the coaches will be able to to capitalize on and I see him rising very fast. When I made my list, I put him as the the 12th uh best Orioles uh prospect, so I think I might have even sold him a, a little short and uh, for, for offense, I would like the guy that they gave a lot of money to last year, the catcher from Texas, uh, Creed Williams. I've seen uh, his body has changed a little bit, but he's, he's much more of an athlete than people give him credit for. The first couple of days of drills, he was do, doing shortstop stuff, but his swing and his like what he can cover in his swing path is really significant. When he opens his wrist, he can get to the ball, he can get under it and drive it with such loft. I really think, you know, uh, for a comp for, for like our age tier, it looks like when things are working perfectly, he's going to have some Matt Stairs type of baseball outcomes, like long pulled drives for, for home runs. And if that's the foundation now when he's 20 years old, you know, there's, there's a lot more to, to, to build on. So I think as far as sleepers – uh, Peak and Creed are two guys that a year from now fans are going to be a lot more more educated about.
0: That that sounds like a nice like movie about co- like a cop duo in a movie like <laughs> Peak, and Peak, Peak and Creed.
1: Yeah, <laughs> they might be pitching and
0: catching to each other. There, right. you, there you go. And I I always love a, I, I always appreciate a good Matt uh, Matt Stairs reference as well. So <laughs> yeah. always nice to work Matt, Matt Stairs into a uh, yeah. a podcast that has some main ties as well a little bit. So go. uh, gotta, gotta love that, but. That is going to wrap up this segment with Eric Garfield. Eric, thank you so much for coming on. Absolutely, uh, it, it was it was a blast to talk a lot of intriguing orderless prospects with you. So we really appreciate your time today. You can follow again. You can follow Eric on Twitter at Eric underscore Birdland to get all some good videos of Connor Norby and Colton Cowser and Kobe Mayo and Casting Kurtsad awesome. and so many others on his feed. So go check him out. And we will be back after the break with John Brophy talking New York Yankees prospects. So don't go anywhere. We will be right back. Want to create a breakthrough gene therapy or life-saving vaccine? Pioneer aerospace excellence? Take your hospitality tech brand international? Montgomery County, Maryland is where you can do all that and more. Use our ideal location next to D.C. Diverse world-class talent and our vast business resources to be the next company to make your mark and transform the world. Visit bnext.thinkmoco.com. That's bnext.thinkmoco.com to learn how we can help you create something remarkable. all right welcome back from the break we now bring on our second guest of the episode his name is john brophy he is a writer and photographer covering the tampa tarpons and yankees prospects in the florida complex league for pinstripe prospects and also a contributor for prospects live john thank you for joining us today how are you doing i'm doing well how are you guys doing 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 great yeah cannot complain Funneled episode so far, talking Baltimore prospects with Eric Garfield. Now hit another American League East team here that has a very intriguing farm system with the New York Yankees, especially in the lower levels, which you get to see quite frequently down there uh, in the great state of Florida. Here, so let's get right into it. You've been at um, you've been at camp a lot, getting some early observations here. Uh, let's start first two on the list that you you mentioned here, were Elijah Dunham in Ryder Green, that you said they've been showing very impressive power. So what have been your early thoughts on those two?
2: Yeah, so especially with Green, Green's really looked a lot better than he had uh, last year with the Tarpons. Um, And he hit a a couple of shots in batting practice over the batter's eye, uh, which is, I mean, just by itself, just saying that is impressive. But Dunham has built up a lot of muscle um, since I saw him in, in Tampa last year. Um, he moved up to uh, High A Hutton Valley, and then he played in the fall league, uh, where he he caught a couple eyes. But just the power that I've seen year over year for him has been very impressive as well.
3: Yeah, we saw uh, Dunham out there on a fall league, and you know he yep. had a very, very solid performance there. And Greens always kind of had that big raw power. And so it seems like he's really tapping into that more, which is good. Didn't really see it on full display in games last year, but you know, still solid power. so, and if he uh if he continues to develop this power, he's got some good speed as well. It could be really intriguing. Go ahead.
2: Um, that was something that I had written about for uh Penn State prospects with all of the uh outfielder prospects that the Yankees have, where you figure you only have three positions for them to to play to fill in the Bronx. And there's so many good guys in the system. Um, I mean you got Dominguez and Green and Dunham and Per and Pereira and you know, all those guys, so yeah, and and Dunham he ran wild out
0: in the fall league. Obviously, the uh, pitcher and catcher quality wasn't the highest out there, but kind of backs up what he showed, you know, in the season as well between Low A Tampa and High A Hudson Valley. He had twenty eight steals in just ninety three games and was only caught five times. So, uh, if he could definitely add more power to that profile, and he had thirteen home runs and, and three hundred ninety five plate appearances last year four in 127 for Tampa, nine more in 268 Blader Pancis for Hudson Valley. So if you can definitely add a, a bit more power there, he should be definitely a very intriguing prospect. He's one that seems to have kind of started risen up prospect rankings after his showing both in low A and high A and in the Arizona Fall League as well. But Ryder Green's one that I feel like he's kind of slipped a bit. You know, he there, there was some buzz about him, you know, back before the pandemic, but I think lately, I feel like he's just kind of fallen on a lot of lists, but I think, you know, a lot of that's to do with he only at 235 this past year in 50 games, but yeah, definitely still like that power potential. He's got a nice frame. Six foot 200 is his uh, listed height and weight. warmer third round pick back in 2018. So um, if he can definitely get back on track here, I think Ryder Green could be definitely an intriguing prospect to target in dynasty leagues for sure. Uh, a couple others here that you mentioned that have been impressive so far Mitch Spence and Brock Selvage. What have been your thoughts on those two?
2: Yeah, so I never saw Mitch Spence in Tampa just because of the way that the the reorganization worked. He was in low-A Charleston at the time, and then he started in Hudson Valley this year, <clears throat> excuse me, which was a high-A affiliate for the Yankees. Um, and just looking at his stats, last year he put up a just shy of a four ERA in 105 innings um, with a, a 1.30 whip. So just those kind of numbers for that low of a level is pretty impressive, um, but he's been he's been really wheeling and dealing in the camp, and because of the the different variety of of talent that there is, excluding the forty man guys because of the lockout. So there's for the most part you get like some fringe double AA, A, triple A talent, and he's been really making those guys kind of just swing and miss, and you know they just stand there looking at him funny kind of thing. So, you know, if, if you've got that kind of talent and especially the same thing with Selvage, they've both been doing the same thing. Um, but if you have that kind of talent at, you know, facing the double AA, A, triple A kind of guys, to me, that's, that's impressive.
3: Yeah, I, I agree there. And he started out his career as a reliever right out of, uh, at college. And then he moved back in the rotation last year. Do you have any like hunch on whether he think he'll be a starter or a reliever long-term with a Spence? sorry, Mitch Spence, that is.
2: With Spence, I don't know um, too much about him because, like I said, I didn't—he didn't come through Tampa, so I didn't really follow him too much. Sure. Um, so I don't really know what the game plan is with Spence. Selvage, I have a little bit more of an idea on, just because I, I did get an opportunity to see him last year. He only pitched in three and two thirds innings, but I did see one of the innings, and that was impressive for for the level that he was at.
0: Yeah. And Mitch Spence went to University of South Carolina Aiken. Chris, is that anywhere near you? About two hours away.
3: Not, it's not.
0: <laughs> I'm not gonna sit here and lie and say I've heard of the South University of South Carolina Aiken, yeah. but uh, not surprising. You no, know, every state has you know multiple campuses for their like for University of Maine. There's six, five or six, I think, throughout the state. Obviously, the big one being Orono, which is where you know um, the biggest one. But there's one in like Fort Kent and Machias, and nobody even knows what these who, where these towns are <laughs> in Maine. So uh, I'll yeah. stop there. But uh, you d- definitely a couple. The interesting prospects there. Um, Selvage was a third-round pick in 2021. A high school arm out of the state of Arizona got into the complex of a last year for a few innings. And, and as you, you mentioned, John Mitch Spence was at Hudson Valley this past year. Uh, total 23 appearances, 20 of which being starts. 105 innings finished with a 3.94 ERA, 130 WHIP, and more than a strikeout per inning. 118 strikeouts. And those 105 innings with 37 walks. So, uh, solid, solid walk right there, solid K rate as well. So, definitely uh, someone that's very intriguing in deeper dynasty leagues for sure. A little bit smaller, though. He's 6'1, 185, but um, definitely has uh, some nice performances so far. Now, uh, moving on to a couple other names here uh, that you mentioned, or at least this one next name on this list that you said has made the biggest offensive jump in the offseason. So, tell
2: me about Eric Wagaman. So Eric Wagaman was, uh, he spent a good amount of the season last year in Tampa and then he was kind of hopping between Tampa and Hudson Valley, but he was just kind of one of those, you know, like whatever kind of prospects. He didn't really catch my eye like an Anthony Volpe or, you know, Austin Wells or those kind of bigger names that the Yankee fans may know. Um, But he was, he has a good glove at first base. Um, The power that I've seen out of him and not even just like out of the park power, but just. Getting the ball deep into the outfield, like to the warning track, kind of a power, um, has been impressive because last year he was he was kind of having trouble almost making it out of the infield in some cases. Um, and his stats kind of show that with a 220 average and a 679 OPS, so he wasn't really like blowing any minds last year. But, um, with the interviews that we had with um, a lot of the coaches and the front office, that we spoke with for um, the media event the past couple of days uh, uh, in Tampa. Um, a lot of them likes what Wagaman has been showing, especially Rachel Balkovic, the new Tarpen's manager. Um, she was heavily promoting him when I asked, you know, any of the off the radar or under the radar kind of guys. So um, he's definitely been someone that I'm going to follow a little bit closer this upcoming season.
0: Yeah, uh, as you mentioned, kind of a a rough year last year for Wagonman between low A Tampa and high Hudson Valley. 220, 220, 315, 364 slash line with 23 extra base hits, six of which being home runs in 308 player appearances. But has the size, he's listed at 6'4, 210, kind of has like that DJ LeMay Hugh type of build to him, a little bit taller, a little bit, you know, a little bit skinnier for 6'4, but uh, definitely um, looks like a guy that could definitely break out this year. Went to Orange Coast College in, in Costa Mesa, California. Tell me that doesn't sound like a party school. <laughs> Orange Coast College in Costa Mesa, California. This sounds like a school you go to just to party, but um, definitely a name to keep an eye on there, Eric Wagaman. I love how much Eric talk we have in today's pod. Like We got me, we got Eric uh, Eric Garfield, we got Eric Wagaman. A lot of Eric talk today. Can't go wrong with that. Uh, let's get into some of the those bigger names that you just kind of mentioned that a lot of our listeners will be interested in. Uh, you mentioned in your notes here that in addition to Elijah Dunham gaining some more muscle, you mentioned that Jason Dominguez looks smaller. Right? Uh, so talk about that for us, please.
2: So Jason, when I saw him last year and I saw his home debut in June for the complex league, and then I saw most of his home games um, this past season with low way Tampa as well. And he looked really big for his size and he's not a tall dude. I think he's listed at like five nine, five ten, somewhere around there. Um, And so he's a little bit of a shorter guy, but he had really big muscle and he looked like he was too big. And even scouts were saying, you know, his size is going to restrict his speed if he keeps up this size in the future as, as he matures. Um, So I think he kind of took that to heart and his physical build looks quite a bit kind of slim and trim in a way. I mean, he's still, he's still a Hulk, you know, for his size, (laughs) but he does still look um, pretty slim and trim for, you know, all things considered. And he looks like he's swinging the bat a lot easier than he had last year. So, you know, we'll take that with a grain of salt just because it is camp and it's not true games right. at the moment, um because it's just batting practice, live at bats, simulated games, that kind of thing. So, you're not really looking at the the off-speed pitches and that kind of thing as much as you would with a facing an actual opponent. Uh so, we'll see what that looks like.
0: Yeah, and uh, last year, between the complex level and low-way Tampa, Dominguez slashed 252, 353, 379, with five home runs and nine doubles in 241 play appearances. And, yeah, I, I've talked with others about Dominguez, and I kind of um, I got this from somebody else, too. kind of looked like he had, like, a Willie Calhoun build, which, you know, maybe isn't terrible, but it definitely looked like he was too big for his size. like He's listed at 5'10", 190 on baseball reference. I feel like 190 might be light. Do you think he's you know, 200-plus right now, or where do you think he's at weight-wise if you had to venture a guess?
2: I would say 190 probably does sound about right. Last year, okay. I was, if I had to guess, I would say he's probably closer to 220. Um, you know, Just looking at the, the differences, his arms are a lot smaller. His torso is a lot smaller. Yeah, yeah I, I,
3: he has oh, ahead, okay. broad, one thing I noticed he has such broad shoulders like oh yeah his upper like upper body's just jacked so like mm-hmm. you easily see him generating a ton of power with those with his shoulders and upper body so yeah but you're right I, the, the weight fluctuation's been pretty big so I, I, looking at it from last year I'd say 30 pounds is probably about right. Yeah he, he looks like a, a NFL running back that
0: just like burst through the offensive line with those shoulders like yeah he definitely is very stout for for his size for sure and you got to wonder too if uh I know obviously you you mentioned here that his English uh, has gotten better and he's he's been working uh on his work ethic and getting his English better as well but I wonder if the hype last year got to him I wonder if if he saw or he, he heard all those comps that were being put on him, you know, the Bo Jackson, Mickey Mantle, Mike Trout type of comps. Maybe, maybe it didn't. I don't know. I'm just speculating, obviously. But I, I wonder if just all that hype. And then in addition to that, there was kind of like that, you know, with the lost minor league season of 2020, right after he was signed, when he would have gotten his first taste of minor league ball. So you had all that extra buildup. So, I Wonder if odds, all that got to him because he still showed. I got saw a lot of video uh, from old, Eli Fishman put up some video of Jason Dominguez as well. And yeah, it looks like the power is there, but uh, I think you kind of got to wonder, you know, where's the speed at long term? How does that body progress as he gets older? He, he's still only uh, is he even 21 yet? Uh, no. he's still he just turned tw- uh, 19 actually, yeah, uh, yeah. Couple weeks ago, so still yeah. only 19, even though I feel like we've been talking about him for like five, <laughs> six years at this point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so are you, you know, just in a general sense with Jason Dominguez, how how high are you on him long term? But do you think he can develop into, uh, in maybe, you know, maybe an all star caliber outfielder or at least impact major league starter? Or do you think the hype has been a little bit overblown?
2: I still think it's too early to tell, um, because you can tell the tools are there. Like, with Between the videos that I've put out and Eli's put out and a couple other people, um, you could tell that he has the the hit ability, the power, um, the speed. I'm a little wish-washy on just because of how big he was last year. So I'm hoping mm-hmm. to see an improvement with that this year just because his legs also are a little bit smaller. Um, the tools are there, but he's too raw. So I don't really want to say, you know, he's going to be the next kind of like Paul O'Neill or Brett Gardner, like, you know, legendary kind of an outfielder. Uh, for the Yankees but I mean who knows at the you know the way that I I scouted him last year a lot of people were giving me a lot of a lot of uh, uh, flashback on it with you know hey I I think you're you're really rating him poorly and then Baseball America came out in September and vindicated the way that I scouted him so um, and it was it was kind of like a I think I gave him a like a 55 overall is what I gave him something like that and people were like, what are you looking at? He's supposed to be the next Mike Trout. <laughs> um, but it's just, it's so early in his career. He has, uh, he hasn't even had a full season of baseball yet. So it's, it's really, it's disingenuous of me to say, yeah, he's going to be the next Mike Trout.
0: Yeah. That, that, that's, that's a bit much for anybody yeah. to say. Like, yeah. I mean, no, really with, with Mike Trout being one of the best players, probably the best player I've ever seen overall, you know, offense, defense, base running, everything, Um, Yeah, so that's a bit much, especially for a, at the time, a 17-year-old kid that was just uh, signed out of the Dominican Republic. But it's it's funny with Dominguez, you mentioned kind of like the the feedback you get on him, wherever you you rank him or the the grades you give him any no matter what if it, you're either too high or too low everyone comes at you like oh why do you still have him so high or why do you have him so well i've gotten that too wherever i've ranked dominguez over the last two years or so and i've talked to a lot of people about, about dominguez just because he's so fascinating and i want to get as much uh intel info as i can on him to make my own you know plus i watch a lot of videos as i can of him as well i've been able to see him live obviously but yeah definitely very intriguing um from even in a real life and a fantasy standpoint, for sure. Uh, and, of course, we, we can't get out of here without talking about Anthony Volpe, uh, someone you've seen. And you said he held a strong meet, uh, strong meeting with the press the other day. So what are just your initial thoughts on Anthony Volpe so far?
2: Now, a lot of the front office doesn't like comparing him to Derek Jeter. But I will compare him to Derek Jeter. He seems very captainly to me. The way that he, he spoke to the media, he seemed very professional. Um, just the way that his on the field and off the field appearance is, um, did seem rather captainly. And then just the way that he approaches the game, it's kind of, I'm going to give everything to this game because, you know, I play for the best organization in baseball, um, kind of a mentality and I'm sorry for the Red Sox fans and the everybody else out there, but yes, the Yankees are considered the best uh, organization in baseball. As I shake my um, fist at you, <laughs> yeah. um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, even and you know, I, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but even just year over year, he's built a lot of muscle, just like Dunham has, um, in the upper body. The ability to attack the ball on a flat plane um, has been very impressive. So every ball, whether it's a low strike, you know, the different things that they've been working on—low strikes, high strikes, you know, outside, inside kind of pitches—with the with the batting, mach- the pitching machine, um, he's been able to hit all of them and and hit them far. You know, they're not just ground balls. So very impressive as far as his offense goes. And then his defense, equally impressive. You know, he's worthy of being the top prospect within the Yankees farm system, in my opinion.
0: 100 percent agree. And I think you've seen him get his his due across all, you know, all prospects as well. You've seen him on a lot of top ten lists. I have him top ten now, maybe even top five. I'm tinkering with that right now. He's six for me overall, obviously for fantasy purposes, but Yeah, I I am definitely – like I said, I hate how much I love Anthony Volpe (laughs) Volpe being a Red Sox fan. This is a guy that I would absolutely kill to have on my team long-term And we could have had him. He was 30th overall pick back in 2019, though I think it's fair to say nobody quite saw this type of breakout here from Volpe in his first full season. And what a season it was between low-A Tampa and high-A Hudson Valley where he basically split his time 54 for one, 55 games for the other – 294, 423, 604 slash line with 35 doubles, 27 home runs, 33 steals in 42 attempts, uh, total 513 play appearances. So you're, you're thinking with, with the contact skills he has, the added muscle, you, so you see him kind of maintaining this power breakout. You, you think he could be a, oh, let's say a,
2: a 25 homer bat at the highest level? I think it's possible, um, because if you look at... So there's some kind of change that happened between the beginning of the season in May last year and the beginning of June. And if you look at his game logs um, and on the MILB stat page, you can see that something happened in June. Something clicked. So I can see the possibility of being even like a 30-30 kind of guy. Um, And who knows with the way that the lockout might work. You know, he may very well even... Have a chance of playing in AAA at some point, you know, sooner rather than later, depending on the way that they move different guys around. Um, even he might even start there. Who knows? But I think the possibility is there that he's gonna he's gonna exceed even more expectations this year. I, I hope he doesn't start AAA
0: because AA for the Yankees is in the well, the, what do they call it? AA Northeast, whatever the league yeah. where where they come to Portland sometimes. So I want to see some Anthony Volpe this <laughs> year. So at least give me like a two month. Double A stint for he, he probably won't be here for long if he continues hitting like he did last wow. year. But uh one kind of you know, being a Red Sox fan, you know, it's a little bit smaller of a guy, but he has a lot of similar skills to Mookie Betts. I, and I've seen that comp other places too. And I hate to you know put a you know guy that's been an MVP caliber player for the last you know five, six years, but it's like that smaller guy, great contact skills, great on base, good power, good speed. So yeah, definitely love Anthony Volpe here. Uh,
3: Chris, what What are your thoughts? Oh, yeah. Uh, y'all have covered it all pretty well. I'm a big fan. But I, I got to ask before we get out of here about one of my favorite from this draft class, Trey Sweeney. I know. Yes. I think you got an interview with him and you've seen him. What's What's Sweeney look like? How Anything he discussed in the interview that's worth noting? Because I'm a big Sweeney fan, so I'd love to hear your thoughts.
2: Um, there's nothing that was really um, worth noting, so to speak, within the interview. But I did see him last year. I saw his pro debut in July in the complex league. And then I saw him throw Tampa. Um, and he's just been another one of those guys where, you know, that they, they've consistently drafted recently that the Yankees have consistently drafted really good talent. Um, and he's just another one of those. And then having a lefty, a lefty bat in the, in the system is another benefit, of course. Um, and he, in the playoffs uh, game three last year, uh, the Tarpons unfortunately lost, but he did have a, a home run, that kind of got the crowd into the game. Um, You know, he hit it to left field. It was one of those kind of almost out of the park, but not quite really kind of a shots. Uh, So he has the power. He has really good base running skills. Um, You know, I can't wait to see what, what this guy does. Uh, I expect him to start in probably Hudson Valley would be my guess.
3: Yeah. And um, he was, I mean, I think highly underrated last year coming out of the draft. Um, According to Mason McCray on Twitter, his amateur data against fellow 2021 draftees he was 99th percentile contact rate 99th percentile swing decision 93rd percentile sweet spot 96 percentile max exit velo which is pretty impressive when you look at the quality good. of the draft <laughs> class so yeah. i think sweeney flies under the radar i know his pro debut last year wasn't you know stellar but i do think he could be a really solid player so it's good to hear that you got some looks at him and i'm excited to see what he can do as
0: am I. Yeah, I'm definitely a big Sweeney guy as well. He's a must, inside my top 100 overall already and definitely has a chance to really fly up rankings here uh, in 2022 for sure, especially once he gets into some more game action here in his first full season in the New York Yankees organization. But that's going to wrap us up here with John Brophy. John, thank you so much for coming on. This was a this was a blast talking some Yankees prospect with you.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yep,
0: yeah, thank you again, John. And that's going to wrap up this episode of Fantrax Toolshed. Thank you to all the listeners for tuning in again this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. You can follow all of us on Twitter. I'm at Cross 4 Chris is at Rotocleg. Our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. You can follow John at Brophy Baseball and Eric Garfield at Eric underscore Birdland. And make sure to tune in again next episode for more fantasy baseball and prospect talk. But until then, everyone take care.